Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jim Rochelles. Today is episode 233 and we're going to be interviewing Michael. How are you doing today, sir? I'm well, thank you. How are you, Jim? I'm doing well as well. Um, Good. Glad to have you on here. Good so, to be here. Yeah, yeah. You excited to do this? I am. All right, cool, man. I am, so, yeah. So let's start with your childhood. How was it growing up for you? So um, I come from a family of teachers, grandmother, mother, father, even my older sister now, all school teachers. So um, education was always first and foremost in my family, but I was that never a student. So there's always that looming, having to be somebody that you're not. That aside, that that kind of that kind of went out of order here. I remember being in nursery school and just having tears flow down my face. I felt like the weight of the world was on me at that young age. I don't know the common person in nursery school, but I would imagine they don't have too much to worry about. Yeah. I felt such anxiety. I find it amazing that you remember that young. I can't remember my childhood for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Some, yeah. I remember vividly. Like being on, It was called Kyle School in Hamilton Township. And there I was just tears flowing down my face just for and, but I always this major empathetic if I saw somebody getting bullied I would cry I remember they did uh the superintendent of schools at my elementary school was was retiring and they sang him all these songs and he started to cry and there I was crying and all my all my classmates were like what the hell what, what what's wrong with this guy yeah you know and then you sign you kind of adapt to it in a way do you have any brothers or sisters? I've come in the middle. Two sisters. Two beautiful sisters who I love dearly, you know. Uh, and growing up with them, you know, I'll say it like this, Jim. I love my parents. I truly do. And I would never blame my trials and tribulations on them. But I got the same upbringing that they did. A very physical, very verbal, very kind of foot up the ass kind of uh, growing up. What kind of physical stuff? Um, the wooden spoon, you know, uh, smacked. And my, my my mother was worse. My father would take out the wooden spoon. You know, when you saw my father with the spoon, you've kind of reached the pinnacle of uh, bad behavior. But my mom, I remember one time doing my, um, I have a little bit of a cold, I'm sorry, um, doing my times tables. And every single time I got one wrong, she'd smack me. And I didn't get many right. To this day, I despise math. I, yeah. I, I just... We'll play rummy and I won't be the scorekeeper. You know, it's like that, you know. Um, my older sister studied hard, got straight A's, the occasional B. My younger sister doesn't touch a book ever in her life, managed to get straight A's, go to a wonderful college. You know, she's kind of like a bit of a genius. My father's a genius, like certified, you know, like has that genius IQ. I certainly didn't inherit it. And then you got me, who's just always been the, uh, I'll learn what I want to learn. And the rest, I'll just sweep by the wayside. You know, so I'm the same exact way. I mean, if something's not interesting to me, it's just no reason to learn it in my mind. Which, Jim, not to skip far ahead, but plays a role in how even recovery is for me. Years, if you push me into recovery, I'm going to go the other way. But at that breaking point, when I finally want to be a part of this, I'll I'll do my best. But if somebody, you know, it kind of goes, if you want to get the help, you're going to get it. If you don't, you don't. Anytime I was forced into rehab, forced into detox, I AMA'd, got the hell out of there. But when I wanted it, when I set my breaking point, I, cho I chose it. That's been my way all my life. 
So how is your social life growing up? Do you have a lot of friends? No. Um, I had friends, but um, not, uh, I had a, growing up from kindergarten, nursery school till third grade, I grew up in, and we grew up in a smaller home in an area of Hamilton Township where I'm from. And I had the, the kid across the street, his name was Simon. I had him. And then in third grade, my, uh, well, my grandfather died earlier, but my grandmother went through this deep, deep depression. So we sold that house and moved into a bigger one where she could live with us. So we moved into a newer area or uh, a different, uh, a different area of Hamilton Township into a bigger home. And at that point, my older sister went right into high school. My younger sister went right into kindergarten. But I flipped from third grade into fourth grade at a new school, and I got bullied, bullied uh, mercilessly. Those kids were mean, mean. Yeah, kids could be absolutely mean. Yeah. So, real, go ahead, go ahead. Real quick, stepping back, <clears throat> I should have asked you this before. When you said your parents were physical with you, the wooden spoon, the smacking, you don't think that had an effect on you as an adult? Because you said you don't blame, it's not about blaming them, but in my mind, I mean, 95% of what we become is based on what we learn in the house. A hundred percent. So I was taught as a kid, my, my parents, the, the, this August, 50 years, they'll have been married. Oh they my goodness. Love each wow. Other. So there's love there. There's love, yes. there's connection, but it was volatile growing up. Uh, both went through bouts of alcoholism Um oh, so the I addiction was, runs in the family as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it, it trickles down. My father's from uh, Northern Ireland, um, and my mother is quite a quite a mix there. <laughs> but um, not that that plays any role, but it kind of does. It kind of does with with drinking and mental health. And um, my grandmother, my mother, older sister, me, all suffer from depression. But anyway, my parents could only express anger. And it was my well. When my father was the passive one. My mother was the the vocal screaming one. But when I I started to scream, I was from young age. You're taught that anger is wrong. Even to today, when I it's in human nature to get angry. It happens. But when us um uh, this feeling of something wrong, you know. It's, Going, um, looking for that. Uh, I was a sense kid. I went, I went home and instead of uh, I go home with tears in my eyes. And instead of getting the you know the hug, the coddling, I get a foot up my butt with a smack across the face. I said, "Toughen up." There's some, and it carried out. So with that wanting to be held, wanting to be nurtured, that anger, you look for something that's going to kind of hold tight. I saw it in women. Uh, self-harm you know and then finally the opiates always my own personal kind of self-medication my own it was my own little thing that made me feel a part of this world so at what age did you ever start using drugs um i think uh, by the time i graduated high school i smoked weed Less than a handful of times, and I um, how old were you when you first did it? Oh, 16. Okay, you know, I was a pretty good kid. I drank, we I was on the swim team, so we would have pasta parties. Do you know what a pasta party is? Before no, they, 
Oh, okay, okay. Before a meet, before a big meet, you meet at like the captain's house, the, or the, the two captains will come together, whatever, and they just serve pasta, like plate and plate of lasagna, sodas, da, 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 da. But afterwards, you know, the older ones would stay and we'd knock back beers and stuff like that. But nothing bad. But um, my junior year of high school, uh, I had my wisdom teeth taken. And they gave me like perk, perk fives, like the five twelves, the real, you know, like. Uh, but that l- one pill gave me this little itchy, euphoric feeling, and immediately, without even knowing anything about addiction, <laughs> I said, well, "What would a bubble two do?" So I took the second one, and I felt nothing ever made me feel that calm. And all cares, worries, everything went flying right out the window. Um, I'll put it this way: in my house, growing up, the house had to be immaculate every Friday. My parents were school teachers. My mom had the weekends. She wanted the house spick and span perfect. I didn't do my my chores or whatever. And she came home screaming. And I remember laying there just being like, I I don't care. Like I feel so good right now. It just it just. And then by nineteen, I uh, the opiates picked up. I went to college, and always sought that out. I went to school in a. Mount St. Mary College is up in a town called Newburgh, New York. Very rough city. And that's where I kind of lost the fear of going into the inner city. If I couldn't find that on campus, I'd find it in Newburgh. And um, in college, smoking crack, doing dope. And then uh, I'd say in 2004, when I graduated, it took off like a rocket. Where are you from? Are you in Jersey? Yeah, I am. I'm in uh, Forked River right now. I'm in a sober living house. Um, But I'm from Hamilton, Born in Trenton. Yeah, I'm in uh, Old Bridge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. I was living in Freehold for a while. I bounced all yeah. over the place. I went to Marlborough High School, and that was Freehold Regional High School District. Okay. Yep. Yep, I know the whole... Yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, real so quick, that's... going back, when was the first... Um, I, I'm forgetting. I think I missed it before. When was the first time you did, like, a hard drug? I know you said it was the opiates, but 19, you said? Yeah, 19, I, I did my first bag of dope, not knowing what it truly was. It was called, a, I'd go into Trenton to buy weed, and they would call it diesel. And there uh, was yeah, this, like, I was just thinking that Yeah, when, when you said they called it something different, they called it diesel, yeah. Yep, and I would do it on occasion, you know, chipping away at it until my first, that was the first experience with it. And I remember going through little bouts of like not feeling too good, not da 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 but my first rehab was winter of 2004 after college. And um, in Maryville, uh, I found out diesel's heroin. All those years. I did, I did a few and far between. I had no idea. And then once I found out what it was, I was like, okay, game on. You know, in Maryville, I, I wanted nothing to do with the place. I think I left after seven days. Then I overdosed about a week later. How did you do in college? Terrible. I got a bachelor's degree. I got the degree. I have, a, uh, I have a bachelor in media. I minored in psychology. Oh, pretty um, cool. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. But um, never used it. And then college was just a, it was just a party. I think I fought a- academic dismissal twice. Um, I, I shouldn't have bought, gone to college. I, my, I always liked when my parents would send me out to cut the lawn. Um, go rake the garden, go cut the lawn. I loved it. 
I loved being outside, kind of having an eye for for this and that. I wanted to be a landscaper, but they went by that motto. You go to school, you get a degree, you get a good job. Well, I'm not a student, so I'm going to go to school and party my ass off. I went, I went immediately. The books for the road, a road split in two ways. Books in the library and studying is this way. And sex, drugs, and rock and roll was this way. And I went that way and I never looked back. Yeah, it took me uh, four and a half years to graduate college. I think I was last in my class, low GPA, got the degree, but shouldn't have gone. You like psychology? I love psych. That, now, that's what I'm talk talking about. We talk about things you want to learn. Psychology is my thing. And then you go through 22 years of addiction and uh, that psychology is going to back me up. I'm in the process of getting peer recovery done. Um eventually CADC and then down the line master's degree and you know all that good stuff I have goals Jim I have goals but I just gotta you know I, I work an NA program today that's my fellowship it, it, it's all you know the one day at a time which is hard it's hard to stay planted when you got a past that rips you to pieces and a future that you're uncertain about it's that's hard to stay in that it. moment you know yeah I'm not a sociopath I've done terrible, terrible thing. 22 years of heroin addiction. I mean, you don't come out and you're, all right. Yeah. You know, it's like, Jesus, what have I done? You know? My mother has dementia. Um, Really bad. It's get, she's, she's, she wandered outside about two weeks ago. Look, she oh. went to the neighbor's house thinking it was our house. And my, my father grandfather, got My grandfather had Alzheimer's. I'm sorry, Jim. I'm sorry. It's tough. And then it's my father... Tough. At 75, he has to take care of her now. So his heroin addict son cannot be a worry anymore. It's an external motivator. They talk about internal motivators, external ones. So that's a big one. That's a big one. I'm the only son. You know, I don't want them to bury me. And uh, the overdoses are just racking. Uh, Jim, I've overdosed about 40 times. No and, shit. And that's no joke, Jim. That's backed up through. I went the last time I went to community medical center here in, in uh, Tom's River. They looked at me. They're like, "You've been here six times since New Year's," and it was the end of February. Now, just oh. that hospital alone, through Robert Wood Johnson, through Cooper and Camden, through uh, Centra up in Centra, and the amount of visits I've been to those, we're talking forty overdoses, Narcan alone. Let alone the times you wake up on the floor three hours later. You come too. I shouldn't be here. So there is a plan, and I, that's how higher power kicks in, right? The fact that I'm still here proves that there's something beyond me. And that's how I was finally able to to tap into it. You know, I just looked at it through that kind of perspective, and it helps. Yeah. So what did you do once you graduated college? What did you do with your life? Oh, I decided to go home, and I got a job at C uh, CVS. Nothing okay. wrong with working at CVS, but you don't get a bachelor's degree to do such a thing. Like so that, uh, I understand. I was so addicted to that party scene, Jim. Like that was, I was the party guy on campus. Everybody knew it. I was a good guy, you know, but uh, out there, out of my mind. And I moved home to my parents' house and it's gone. And I went into this deep depression, you know, you're bummed what out. What do you mean it was gone? The party scene was gone. I wasn't oh, in college party. anymore. It was, you know, um... And as I went through, like my friends started to to grow up, and I'm still lingering in the streets of Trenton, and things are, and that's where really like uh, the downward spiral took off. Like that's where, 
you know, I'm, you don't sign, you don't come out here to talk about a war story, but that's what that's what that is. It's just heroin addiction kicked in, and in the in the realm of it, I've been on the streets of Trenton. I've done my little stint in Kensington. Uh, I was homeless in Camden. That was that was that's where the trauma and the PS, uh, PTSD kicks in. Like that's a that was a rough city for, for me. I was gonna say Camden is it's known to be a rough area. Yep, about thirty five treatment centers. Um, I uh, I lost a friend, a dear friend, right next to me. We both overdosed on the drugs that I gave her. Uh, both overdosed. She didn't wake up right next to me. Uh, I found my running partner at Camden murdered. Uh, rough stuff. Like I'm not the guy that backed over his mailbox and had to get help. Like addiction took me to its darkest depth. Three suicide attempts. Um, what led to so, the suicide attempts? The breaking point. You know, you're at your. I remember I was in a a, a rehab up in Marlboro, New Jersey. Discovery. And, correct. I've been uh, to hope, that, but this, that, this. Go ahead. No, no, yeah, I was just gonna say that's where I went. Discovery, Marlboro. Yep. I've been I've been to New Hope, but this story takes place in Discovery, and um, I, I I made that promise. I promised myself I'll never use again, and if I do, I'm gonna kill myself. There's a story that backs that up. I won't get into it, but um, it was Christmas time, and they were having this Christmas party, and everyone's friends and family <laughs> were all around, and I'm sitting in the corner, just I want nothing to do with anything. And my counselor came up to me, and she knew my history of of a mental illness and where it takes me. She's like, just relax. It was like, I think it was like a weekend or something, or basically she said, hold out till Monday. We'll, we'll just, we'll talk about things on Monday. And, uh, I, the overseer, you know, the nice guy who we're all, uh, I'm not going to mention his name, but, um, the guy who takes care of the place. Yeah. Uh, yep. He knows me pretty well because of my, re uh, numerous stints there. I said, do you mind if I just, just go lay in bed. There was like an H and I that came in and I knew those two guys and I didn't want to see them because they didn't know that I was back in there and I was laying in my bed and I just, I'm a music guy, right? So I th start thinking about like Chester Bennington and Chris Cornell and Kurt Cobain. And, oh, I and, love uh, Kurt Cobain. You know, I, I yeah. play guitar. I play, okay. I play a ton of, uh, the thing is about his music, it was right. so simple. He had just oh, so that's what I hear. simple melodies. Yeah. Yep. I don't play guitar, but everybody that plays guitar and talks about him said the Nirvana is just it's just easy to play. Yeah. But I'm born in 81. So by the time that whole music scene really by I always liked music from a very early, early age, but by the time an appreciation for it came in was the grunge era. Like I Pearl Jam, Red Hot Chili Peppers are my favorite band, you know. But anyway, um I'm thinking about these guys, I'm thinking about my life, and I'm thinking about how I'm just at my lowest and I'm never gonna get it. And the gears start turning and quickly on impulse. I, I have a journal. Uh, I've been journaling since 2019. It helps incredibly. But I knew my father would see that journal and want to read it. And in the last page, I wrote a suicide note. And I went into the, the bathroom and I hung myself. And landed on the floor with this big mark. Uh, somebody came in and found me. And I found my way to the psych board over in yeah, but Central Hospital, whatever it's called, and that was um, that was the third, and that was probably the most. They're all genuine attempts, but that was the real eye opener. I ended up spending Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, in a psych ward in South Jersey, 
I went through a breakup during that while I was in that psych ward too. Like it was, I was pretty low. And then I came out and uh, even though I've racked up numerous overdoses since, like, um, I don't know, Jim, I want to say once you've come so close to death, you really start to appreciate life. That's not enough to keep me clean, granted the overdoses, but it's enough to, while I am in that realm of trying to get better, I see things, it's, it's, I don't know how to explain it. It's a personal thing. I, I, I don't, I, I could try to break it down, but it's not, I realize I'm not really making too much sense with it, but um, I don't know. I guess the blinders have been taken off. And this last time um, I overdosed behind the wheel of a vehicle and uh, I've had two DUIs, right? And um, when I woke up, I was in an ambulance and uh, the paramedics were taking, telling me you're in, you're in Pemberton. I don't know how the hell I got to Pemberton. I got no no business there. I was in Trenton, I guess, driving around smoking crack. I ended up in Pemberton, overdosed. And uh, they said, the police are taking your car to an impound lot. Now, there's no, um, you can get a, a first DUI and then the second DUI within 10, 12, 10 years, you're okay. But a third DUI, you can get it 40 years down the line. It's a third. and You've got to do that time and everything. Uh, I... Um, the consequences were that the, the rear view mirror was missing and I don't get to drive that car anymore. I never got a, a ticket, nothing in the mail, not even a reckless driving, nothing. Woke up the next day, all the dope was in my pocket. Nothing came of it at all. I, I, I suffered. No, and that was probably, I don't know why all the death and gloom happened, but that was, as of today, the eye-opener experience that I could have killed a family. I could have killed myself. I could have killed somebody walking their dog. Nothing happened. And I know, Jim, if I continue this, I will die. I'm burning up other people's lifelines at this point. I really got to stay on the straight and narrow and, and take life for what it is. And at this, as we speak today, I have 113 days. Um, it's rare that I get into triple digits, but this is the, this time I'm doing triple digits and solidly working a program. Any venue, if it's smart recovery, refuge recovery, AACA, NA, whatever, uh, whatever A you want to put. For me right here, I work an NA program with a home group and a sponsor, uh, a commitment at the home group. I make coffee. So even when I don't want to go, I have to because you got to have your coffee. Friday, I do a meeting with my sponsor. We go to that together. We talk in the car. Any meeting I can hit along the way. Uh, along the way um I attended an IOP program. Um, I've been dropped on OP three weeks ago. I still go to IOP because at the moment I'm not working. I'm doing my peer recovery, getting that all going. Uh, that's pretty, yeah, that's that's where I'm at right now. Just kind of taking things easy and seeing what happens. And I'm not rushing this, Jim. There's, I, mean, I am not. I know there's fellowships where they do kind of speed you through the process to have that awakening i'm a writer i write and i'm writing my step one right now and um living in the sober house i'm accountable i gotta pass my drug tests you know i, I gotta go to iop i gotta pass drug tests that, yeah any questions jim i'm sorry i went on for a while there no you're doing great so what do you think made it stick this time? Because it sounds like you said, it sounds like you're doing better than you ever have. What, what made you to get to triple digits? So 
this is personal. Um, I, uh, at my last treatment center, I, I can't tell you how it happened, but I looked in the mirror. I think I just got a haircut or something like that. And I looked in the mirror and I, I looked, I liked what I saw. You know, I, I hated myself for the longest time. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, man, you're not a bad, because all the people were telling me you're good, you're this, you're that. And, and it finally, I started to hear it. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, this, what you're seeing right now, you're never going to see again if you choose to use. And I started to slowly love myself for the first time, I think ever, really, Jim, to really love the person that I am and separate who that person is from active addiction to who they are when they're clean. And they're two different. I know AA talks about the Jekyll and Hyde. Like that's, I'm a monster when I'm using, but it's not me. When I'm, you drop a hundred bucks on the ground, I will return it to you. That kind of person right now. You drop a hundred bucks back in active addiction. I'll see that you have a hundred and then I'll run, run your pockets for more money. Um, and then getting down on my knees and praying every night. Uh, Praying to a higher power of my choice, of uh, my own understanding, sorry. And those things combined with the program and wanting to finally live, knowing I'll, I won't beat anymore, like I, I'm going to die. And finally choosing life, like the train spotting quote, choose life. You know, that's all those things combined, Jim. And then other things that I really can't talk about because they're just so personal and, and like whimsical and, you know, higher power level stuff. But um, at a breaking point, you know, some I, I've had so many rock bottoms, like so many. And I said, well, Jesus, what's my final one going to be? And somebody said, you're going to reach your your last rock bottom when you stop digging for it. You're going to you're not going to have any more. When you stop digging, is you're not going to have I can't. I'm screwing it up. But basically. Yeah, stop digging for that rock bottom. And that's where I'm at today. I'm glad to hear you're doing so well. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. Yep. So what, what are your plans for the future? So continue with the program every day for the rest of my life. Now, that is a, a definitely a one, a one, one, one day at a time thing. But I have these visions of, God, if I'm 20 years, you know, like, after 20 years, I'm going to be able to have a beer. Like, I've, I've earned it. And I know it's been 22 years that that disease will stay and manifest the entire time. So I have to work a program every day. Intimidating, yeah, but that's where one day comes in. Uh, I want to get my CADC. I want to help people. When I'm sitting at a, at a, at a desk with a client, aside uh, in front of me and I have a caseload of people that's what I'm, I'm, I've reached it all I want to do is help people and I have the ability to help people I know I do um, get my CADC get down the line get a, get a master's degree uh, basically um, just live a simple life I, you know Jim i those are the things that are, are that I, I the visions. All I want to do is get through each day, and and right now just see what happens. I uh, it's whatever gets me through my day without hurting myself or anybody else, and that's good enough for me right now. When I put my head to the pillow at night, 
Did I screw anybody over? Did I get high? Did I lie, steal, cheat? If it's no, 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 then I've had a good day. And just keeping it simple for now. And whatever happens down the line, if you're doing the right thing, we'll see. You always hear people come in for H&I where they tell their story. They have the best life they've ever lived. Now, they're not talking about the, the mansion, the, uh, the smoking hot mm. wife, the whatever boat. It's just, it's a life without using. That's got to be more incredible than, than what it was. That's my plan. You know, those are my goals. Just to behave myself. No, and it's good to have goals. You got to, like you said, work a program, have plans, not just sit there on, you know, at idle. Yeah, right. That's the worst. That is the worst. And I like to isolate, believe me. Yeah. So let me ask you one last question. Sure. Do you have any advice for people that are watching and listening? Uh, my advice is it's, you know, there's two roads you could choose. There's the, there's the path of destruction. There's the path to get better. And I understand, I hate to say this, but I understand that path of destruction. And I understand wanting the other side and not being able to get there. But if you truly want to get the help, it's there. And I'm talking mental addiction. There is a way out. Um, don't be so hard on yourself. You know, but just know that, you know, and I'll say it, an addict's net casts wide. We're not the only people we're hurting. You know, you got to take into account your family, your friends, all the people that are watching you in destruction. And if you want the help, it's there. And if you're um, you've reached the other side and you're living your if you're early in recovery, take it slow. Take it as slow as you possibly can. I wish you a slow and steady recovery. Um that's my advice. And somebody might somebody might tell you something else, but if when you bounce back from such a dark, dark place, it's such a beautiful thing. Why speed up a beautiful thing? Bask in it, enjoy it. You've earned it. You know, you got there. That's it. I can start rambling on and on because I like to hear myself talk, but I'll stop there because I haven't gotten a degree yet. So, <laughs> No, you did great today. I really want to say thank you for doing the podcast today. It means a lot. Absolutely, Jim. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Always good to spread the message. Absolutely. Did you have anything else you want to throw in? Nope. That's that's a wrap. I'm, I'm good. I just God bless everybody. Um, and I appreciate that. Yep. All right, my friend, do me a favor and hang tight for a second. Sure. And for everybody that's watching and listening, I hope you enjoyed what you saw and heard. Go below and give us a like if you did. Also, subscribe to our channel so you can see when we upload new videos. You can also check us out on all social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, TikTok, Instagram, pretty much you name it, we're on it. Also, check out our website, which is www.addicts-anonymous.com. There you will find plenty of free resources as well as free literature. So once again, I hope you did enjoy today and until next time.